Welcome to the Ultra Running and Business Podcast, a random mix of running, people, performance, and business content. I'm Jakob, your host, and this is the Ultra Running and Business Podcast. Guys, welcome to another helping of the Ultra Running and Business Podcast. Uh, we are going to talk about running on this one. So the guest for this episode is Polar and Team GB running coach. He is also an endurance coach. His name is Nick Anderson. We met uh, recently over a LinkedIn live event where we discussed all sorts of stuff. And I will, to give you a quick teaser about what's coming up over the next uh, 55 minutes or so, uh, we are going to be talking about performance optimization, the challenge of forming habits. Obviously, we will be discussing the popularity of running, particularly during the pandemic. Uh, we will deep dive into concrete techniques on how to make your running sustainable. We'll be talking self-motivation hacks, goal setting, mindset, tricks, and how to listen to your system. And I'm hoping that you will also be able to take some of the techniques from the running part of your life into your everyday life. All about return on investment, or bang for buck, if you like. Uh, we will be talking performance, recovery, technology, and data. This is Polar, the watchmaker's coach, after all. So we will be talking about running watches as well. And we will be asking Nick how to unpick basic data that you can glean from your wristwatch. If indeed you are a wearer of Polar watches, but I suspect other watches are available. Um, we will be discussing strategies and how to explore your running further. And we even have time to finish and dedicate some time to a bit of Q&A. So... Lots of stuff coming your way in this edition. I hope you enjoy what we put together. Um, I will swiftly now play the recording of my lunch session with Nick Anderson. I'd like to introduce you to my guest uh, and coach as of a few weeks already, uh, Nick Anderson. A very, very warm welcome to the show. Nice to see you. Jacob, hi. Thank you for the introduction. Far too kind. So Nick, let's um, let's start uh, let's start easy. First of all, in order to make this, as I mentioned in my in my um, in my intro, super inclusive, let's talk about your expertise in in helping individuals getting started and building a running routine into their life. What what can you what can you share with us in terms of building that habit? Well, thank you. I I think. The the key for, for most people, and certainly at the moment, is loads of people getting into running perhaps for the first time because um, the environment and lockdown and, and so on has meant that, that people are, are, out, are out running. They're not at the gym, perhaps, uh, like they were. But it, the early weeks uh, are really all about building very sensibly. And knowing how to do that is, is not an easy thing. If you think about kids at school, um, and years ago, as a PE teacher, you'd send people around a field to go for a run as part of the warm-up for a PE lesson. To be honest with you, everyone just sprints off really hard, and they're all panting within 30 seconds, and, and it's a process of who pants the least and gets back first. Um, that's the winner. And, and adults are exactly the same. They go off too hard, do too much, too far, too soon, and 
I'm always saying to people at the very beginning, look, um, running isn't painful. People say, oh, it's really tough in the early weeks and it, it does get easier. If, if it's really tough, actually, you're trying to do too much, too far, too soon. Um, and you'd be much better to slow right, right down, walk, run. And if you can't, and I always say this, if you can't have a chat with the person next to you or the imaginary person next to you when you're out in the early weeks, either running, run, walking, whatever you're doing, you're actually working too hard. So slow down, work with oxygen, work aerobically. And your heart and your body is very clever. Over the weeks, actually, everything gets stronger. And um, you just pick up a bit of speed and you just can go a little bit faster or you can go a little bit further. But start slowly and make sure you can have that conversation. If you're completely out of breath, you're working too hard. And and one of the, one of the things that I mean, admittedly, I'm I'm firmly in the category of of a of a an age category runner. So a, a lot of the individuals that ask me about um, running tips uh, are um, my own peers, uh, age wise, or, or you know maybe slightly younger, maybe slightly older. But I've always sort of gone on the on the mantra that when you start running, your your heart and lungs are just much, much quicker than your your biomechanics. So your 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 knees and feet and hips and back, and uh, and your you can you can develop some early enthusiasm for for not feeling out of breath so quickly, and you get tempted to 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 scale up your distance much earlier than perhaps you should. Does that does that resonate with you? In yeah, terms of I, I think so. I think if you know most people will have probably had a route around the block where they live or a local route or a part they go to and they suddenly notice after the first few runs or, or whatever um, that they can either get home quicker than they used to um, or they're going at a bit of a faster pace um, and you know that was exactly the same for me I, I started running when I was nine ten years old would run around the estate around the block I used to this is a long time ago I used to look at the kitchen clock run out the door and come in through the front door and look at the kitchen clock again and, and if I wasn't faster on every run I wasn't achieving anything. Uh, no. You know, how can I be improving if I'm not faster? But that's actually not how human physiology grows. That's not how we develop as a runner or as a as an athlete in any way. It takes time, and you have to be patient. And there's a process of the body and the cells developing and growing, and you just become gradually fitter. But you would be much better to go out and do it at a conversational pace. I didn't. I went out and hammered it, and. The danger is then that your body is getting fitter internally, mm. but particularly at my age or, or whatever, you, you're kind of a, a vintage car and mm. things fall off and yeah. your muscles, your tendons haven't grown yet. So the injuries come along. You've got to get strong at the same time as developing your heart and lungs. Let's talk about forming habits because I think running has had a bit of a, a, a renaissance uh, on the back of uh, the last year that we've been we've been through. So let's talk about how we can sustain that. Let's talk about how we we, we build a habit, uh, and there are various theories as to how long it, it takes to build a habit. I mean, I've seen the range extending to a very specific number of six hundred and eighteen days to form a habit, as in. You will just do it without, without, without thinking about it. So potentially, forming a running habit, you know, it can can require quite a long time and require quite a, a long, a long term commitment and a long, a long game thinking. So let's look at the the current pandemic and it's 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 a, a lot of people have gone out um, 
to run. And now in the UK, at least, uh, things from the from next month are looking to ease up. So you may you may you may be allowed back into gyms and so on and so forth. So we like to keep people running. So let's talk about how we can sustain that uh, sustain that habit. If we can sort of if we can say the pandemic has has given has been a, a catalyst for creating more runners, we want to we want to keep them in the fold. How how can you? How can you advise our viewers on on sustaining this type of uh, running habit? Well, I'm hoping people have fallen in love with the really simple human movement, which is leaving the front door or wherever you are and going outside and enjoying the countryside and and enjoying the environment you're in. Um, And if you've got it right, you should be coming back from those runs and feel more energized. Um, and just have more energy in the day. You should notice you've got more energy, really, with everything you're doing. Um, so this going out for a run suddenly means you feel more alert at work. You feel more energized in everything you do um, socially and so on. But you've you've hopefully grown some habits here where you actually enjoy the routes and visiting where you're going. Um, you enjoy the feeling you've now got because you are running. Um, I think as we come out of unlock. The, there's a real opportunity to explore it a little bit further because you can take it now to other places. You could travel with it. Your running shoes fit into any bag you've got. And even if you're away on holiday, um, you're away on business, whatever you're doing, I, I really think your shoes can go with you. You can explore the local area and, and continue running. It's a really easy sport to keep going. There's going to be races and events coming back on. Um, April is the start of that and, and on into the summer. So you might want to, to do your first 5k you might want to do your first 10k half marathon or go longer as you do um so there's going to be opportunities to actually then experience what it's like to go and do an event go and do it with loads of other people um maybe set yourself a few targets and goals do you want to do it in a certain time do you want to do it and and be able to run the whole way and, and feel great people have all different goals but the running world is going to open up even more and um, we've been very lucky because running's been something that people have been able to do in lockdown. Uh, yeah. Other sports have suffered. So now's a chance to go and really enjoy it even more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, from, from all the runners you deal with and have dealt with over your, over your career, any, any hacks you can share in terms of that self-motivation once these sort of, you know, the, even the most committed runners will have a, will have a sort of a, a peak and trough periods over their relationship with running. And, and I think we all develop these sort of mental hacks and tricks to, to maintain that inspiration and, and maintain that uh, motivation. And I, I, I know myself that, that, you know, in the, in the sort of the, just the, as the seasons change in the UK, my, my mental techniques are challenged uh, it's a hell of a lot easier to get out first thing when it's light outside or if it's not if it's not pouring down with rain or whatever so are, are there any are there any hacks you can share in terms of uh, mental uh, self-inspiration that you've that, that you've come across from your runners that you think uh, are, are are useful for everybody to be aware of um i think i think the the whole sort of yeah, goal setting, mind setting, and 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 having targets it really helps. But um, pe- people engage in different ways. Some people, um, you know, find the process of of going for a run quite stressful. And I and I would say if that's you, then actually try to disassociate, try to distract yourself. Almost, you know, are you someone that wants to listen to music, listen to your favorite podcast, but just do it on the move? Are you somebody that um, actually 
wants to switch off from technology and you want to hear nature all around you and enjoy that kind of um, pleasant environment and explore more what's around you and hear and smell those things. Um, I think the, the the real goal setting and mindset kind of situation with with running is uh, pressure is a good thing. Um, it brings out the best in many people, but it, it can also really um, start to challenge performance and, and causes issues. So I think you need to, first of all, uh, work out whether what you respond to, um, what enables you to feel like you're, you're running a bit better or running faster and what makes you feel good. Um, and note that, are you one of these people that needs to visualize? Gosh, I mean, when I, I run and I'm trying to run hard and I'm on my own, I visualize people around me or ahead of me and I'm trying to race them or chase them. I mean, I've, I've won the Olympic Games so many times and I've dis- been disappointed when I get home because it, it, it wasn't real. But it, it got me through that training session. It made me think, or, or am I um, actually going to do something like you know, Paul Radcliffe was famous for for counting to one to 300 over and over again in some of our hardest races um 300 was ironically um when she did it about five minutes five minutes was roughly the pace she'd run or just outside for for a mile in a marathon so it was a distraction for her it took her mind away from the pain and yeah. the environment so there's many ways to do this there's yeah. no set path find mm-hmm. what works for you I think I have I've, I've... I think a lot of runners they they will they will quote this visualization piece, and I uh, just from my my own research, I think like I, I see different uh, you know I see and hear different techniques. Some some are uh, some are positive, and actually some are I would say that I'll classify them as positive and negative. One is really around you know I guess it's a bit more related to racing, but you can apply it to anything, uh, even training. When when if if you ask yourself what would it what would it what would it feel like to succeed here? How would I feel if I get to that point? How would I how would I expect to feel if I get to that point? So a little bit of you know eyes on the prize and visualize that moment where you achieve whatever aim and objective you set out to. And equally, the if you're pushed more by by actually saying what what will my world look like if I if I don't if I fail? How would I feel in that situation? And how how much do I want to avoid that? So if we stick with the positive side, a positive sign for a moment. Where we said, what would this trigger in terms of my positivity, my my hope, my pride, my optimism, my success? What will happen on the back of that? I know how those emotions make me feel, and I want that. Uh, or you could say, okay, going to have a reality check. I am X years old. If I don't do this, what will my world look like? What will my what will my lifestyle look like, and how will that likely evolve if I don't do anything about it? So I think whatever works for you. I think I'm, I'll be I'll be more drawn to the positive one, but I would say find out what uh, uh, find out which one will will get you off the couch the quickest. Uh, but, it, whether- but it's interesting because you've said their fear of failure almost as well would be something for you that would drive you to to succeed or to work even harder but for some people fear of failure is the very reason why they actually then don't want to partake in something it's so you you have to then say well okay i've identified that for me fear of failure might have been well actually yeah i I agree with you i i want to get out and prove that i can do this and i i would also i was very competitive so i would either be wanting to try and beat people or i'd be wanting to run certain times or achieve certain distances but for some people, that's an added pressure. So there's kind of we we were going to allude to this. I know this kind of romantic notion of running and going out and 
and switching off and enjoying running for what it is. And it is just the physical process of going out and, and feeling great. Yeah. But for some people, they need to be target driven and they need to work in stages towards the next target then the next target and have a bigger picture at the end. So they know the direction of travel. If there's no direction of travel, people feel lost sometimes. And then actually you kind of get what you've always had or you just don't improve. I think uh, I think for our viewers, uh, I think uh, there's a little bit of background to the um, to the, the the term romantic runner, which I thought was was uh, was quite fun, and that was uh, that was pretty much how Nick classified me when we first uh, got uh, to to know each other when he started asking me about routine and spreadsheets and uh, heart rate zones and VO2 max and 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 so on and so forth. And I said I didn't have any of it, and effectively I would tend just to. Uh, run when I felt like it and run at the pace I felt like, uh, surface I felt like, and I wouldn't run if I didn't feel like it. And I, I thought that, I thought that was called a free spirited runner, but Nick actually said, no, that's, that's, um, that the, the, the technical term is, is romantic runner. And as you just said today, you know, you know, the romantics, they can often end up with, uh, with their head in their hand. Crying. <laughs> so that was his argument for, for at least uh, giving the, the structured approach uh, a spin. And, and, that's, uh, and that's what we've, we've decided uh, to do with a, with a specific aim and, and my discipline to the, um, to, the, to the structure that Nick has. We've sort of, we sort of talked a little bit about the return on investment. I want to just stay on that subject for a bit because... That has been part of my uh, my love for for running is actually contrary to what we've just discussed and perhaps the impression that our viewers got that that I am in it for the podium I'm in it, I'm in it for beating others I actually I, I none of that uh, is is very rare I get anywhere near the podium unless there's a, a, a fluke and and I I generally generally speaking what I've enjoyed about the running community is actually the the inclusiveness and the people and not to say that you know you can't you can't set out to beat your friends. Absolutely, you can, but that's never been that's never been my my driver. But I, I get the point that you know you you know you find mental uh, mental tricks that will in, inspire you to 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 push on. Anyway, just on to mental health and balance. It's that's been a huge it's been a huge aspect for for where running fits into to my my world. Running is your business, Nick. So you probably don't necessarily quite look at it that way but does that resonate with you that a, a lot of a lot of your a lot of your experience with runners is that, that that's where they get the biggest bang for buck um well okay so let, let's just for you you yes you're the romantic runner but you also came to me with a, a goal so the problem for me is you've said I'm, I'm a romantic runner and, and I looked at it and you go out and you run you know, and you'll run for an hour and a half, you run for two hours, you run all these distances, and it clearly makes you feel great. Uh, and that is in its purest form what running's about. But you then said to me, oh, but I want to break three hours for the marathon. And that's when I've had to say to you, okay, hang on a minute. Um, if we carry on doing running the way you are, I think you're going to be able to carry on being this romantic runner, and it's going to go really well. But you're not actually training to the goal you've got. So We've got to now start to put things into the training and some things which are going to train your body to yeah. become efficient at running at sub three hour marathon pace for three hours. That's now a completely different goal. And that, that is some pressure. 
but it also requires us to slightly change your physiology. It requires us to change the way the body uh, adapts. So we've got to put some different training things into the plan now and some markers in there, which are going to get you ready to achieve that. So it's a very different um, thing. So yes, I think if you'd gone to your marathon in the future as a romantic runner um, and aim for sub three, but never train for sub three, if you're exceptionally talented or you're lucky, you might get away with that. But most of the time you're going to fail at a really tough target like sub three. And that's when the romantic runner's got their head in their hands at the side of the road. Oh, it's not working. But actually, really, you just haven't trained specifically. It's not a, you, you've got to make things specific. And then, so look at the end goal. And I always work back. And then no, build from there. That's, uh, that, that's great. And just on, just on that subject, if, um, if you're interested in, in joining for that challenge, can I suggest you jump on to Instagram? And uh, and and follow me on on that. Let's just see. Bang! There, there should be the address there, uh, because what I'm doing there is is trying to daily um, or try to stick with daily, give some updates on uh, on what we're going through there uh, in in terms of the structure that Nick has put in place, and and it's um, and and I, I hasten to add that this is uh, whether your objective is to do a sub three by a certain date it is. Is is largely irrelevant. This is about improving, and it's about embracing the idea of of a of a structured approach to to improving. So, you you know, don't you don't need to follow it to the T. But I think it's, it's a good line of sight on what what it could look like in terms of moving your own improvement degree by degree. So, um, if that thing is that if that sort of stuff floats your boat, uh, then 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 join on to. Uh, us on on Instagram and 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 you can you can listen me with questions there. If I can't answer them, I'll relay them to Nick and and yeah, we'll we'll like to get as many people involved as as possible. So that's uh, that's great. I I'd like to touch on um, I'd like to touch on technology because uh, ultimately, as as what we can see there on your on your chest, you're representing uh, Polar and uh, and and they um, are one of the well, the first uh, wrist tech company to to uh, introduce the idea of running according to heart rate metrics. Uh, so I want to stay on that for a bit uh, because I know it's also something that you have a you have a lot of lot of knowledge on. You've touched already on on a structured approach to improving running. That's fine, and obviously, data is a fundamental part of of achieving that. Let me let me ask you a little bit about what how you actually work as a coach with your with your runners effectively harvesting data off their 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 wrist watch wrist watch from where they are. Okay, so I I've got some who are mega into their data and would send me their sleep data, their training data every day for everything they do, um, and I would actually soon become a little bit bored but of course a lot of it can be really relevant so if they're a very data-driven type personality then um i think i will look at that and go on that journey with them a bit more and start to get them to to look at what they're really seeing because a lot of people have, have got data but don't necessarily understand perhaps what it's telling them or actually as well by the time they've put all of their technology stats onto something like polar flow onto strava then they've watched what everybody else is doing the data can even become a bit of a pressure so we need to look at with that person 
is, first of all, what's the data telling us about their health, their recovery, which is really key, and then the fitness building towards what we're doing. Uh, and all of those are, are the markers we're looking for within the data. Um, but, of course, there are people out there that don't use data very much um, and probably haven't thought about it, but are the very people that say to me, you know, I, I just run for fun. I'm a fun runner. And I said, that's, that's great. So what, what, are you, what are you planning to do? Have you got any ideas? And they said, well, yeah, I am actually doing a half marathon or I am doing a 10K or I've got this coming up. I said, oh, great. So you're just going to run for fun on the day? And they say, yeah, yeah, I am. And then as they finish that, they suddenly say, but I'd like to do it in under 60 minutes for the 10K or I'd like to break two hours for the half marathon. Yeah. I wish when I said, right, hang on a minute, that, that's a performance goal. You've suddenly told me you want to be a better runner tomorrow than you do today. So you are a performance athlete. And at that point, we do need to start to maybe consider a little bit of data. Are you working in the right training zone? So are your easy runs easy? How could we measure that? Are you doing some harder runs in the week, but in the right zones towards the events you're training for? So we can measure that with the device. Yeah. Um, if you're always tired, why are you always tired? It might be you're training too hard, too often, um, going too far. It could be though you're not sleeping well. It could be you're not recovering between the sessions very well. So that the data can can easily tell us that if we if we look. And I think most of the time, I still I still feel you you look at the way you feel and understanding the way you feel is the most important thing. So your perception of effort, your perception of energy, that's that's really the key thing. Yeah. But this backs it up. Yeah. And then sometimes this shows you the little gems that as you start to dig, yeah. you notice other performance gains, the marginal gains, and they all start to add up. And, and that is where we notice at a performance level um, the mistakes people are making or the areas where we can really make some improvement. Let's just jump to the uh, to some of the questions that come in because I think um, uh, some of the recent ones that have just come in there. Yeah, I think it's uh, I, uh, we, you know, we, we we just touched on this, and this is this is pretty much kind of what I'm caught up in. In that I've, you know, so you know, this is another romantic runner who is who is uh, you know who wants to preserve the fun and. But I, th I think we've I think we broadly covered this. But I think but maybe a lot of people are caught up in in that they've that they fall in love with running whether it's pandemic related or otherwise and and maybe feel that you know we can't we can't uh, that that's not that's that's not permitted uh, but i think you've answered that question quite comprehensively that that i think even even if it's just a case of saying i i want to sustain the fun i i want to i'm enjoying this pursuit how can I make sure that that this becomes something that I can sustain? Because depending on depending on what your what your your age and quality of your biomechanics and, and and so on and so forth, even if you're not even if you're not looking to improve to to win races or to do a self anything, mm. my my argument would be some of the training that you put me on also now in terms of the 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 strength exercises and and the type of running I'm doing. I, I I see that I see the merit of that in a in a more holistic way. Whether I will ever do a sub three is almost I don't see that as a binary measure of success. Yes, it would be nice, but I, but it's not like I'm I'm going to be I'm, I'm my my world is going to fall apart if I don't make that. I, I I I'm I'm harvesting a lot of other benefits. So so a message for the sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to say a message for the the guys out there that are that are looking 
thinking, I don't want to lose the fun. No, but you want to stretch the fun. You don't want, you want to be, you want to be able to, to sustain a good thing. Yeah. And, and you've got a sub three target for a marathon because you wanted to have a target and it was a part of a motivation for you. But the reality is what you learn on the journey towards trying the sub three is what's going to set up, I think, your success and your enjoyment of the sport in all of the forms of running that yeah. you do in the years ahead. Um, yeah. And you'll definitely learn new skills for your ultra running. Let, let's be honest, uh, you come from an ultra running background. You love to long run long, enjoy the distance, enjoy the journey, and enjoy what's around you. Mm. Um, but if you could run a bit further or you could do it in greater comfort or yeah. just feel better when you do it, that's performance as well. So the world of ultra running, you, you don't really measure time or splits no. that often. Um, most of the time it's about going and exploring and understanding yourself. I think um, what I'm kind of trying to drive at, though, with, with you is to say, here's a load of metrics we can look at, which, for instance, if we improve your mobility or we improve your strength, then you're less likely to get injured. Your joy of running will be greater because you can do more of it and probably more often and you'll recover more quickly. So all of these things such as flexibility, mobility, strength work, running with a better posture, being more efficient when you do do it, starts to give you an armory of options to actually explore your running yeah. even further in yeah. all directions. So create, create a strong body and create um, strong foundations and from there, you can start to choose any races and launch from that. You can choose different projects. But it yeah. all comes back to the basics of being basically aerobically fit, listening to what your body's telling you, and being strong enough. That's your platform. So I've taken you back a little bit and said, hang on a minute, you're doing all these miles, but you're not strong enough. You're doing all these miles, but you're not necessarily doing some of the, the right things. It's a bit like the Morecambe and Wise sketch, isn't it? You've got all these wonderful notes, but you're not necessarily playing them in the right order. And, and that's what I'm trying to get you to think about. Okay. Let's talk about the wrist technology. Uh, there are a few, um, I would imagine that I'm probably speaking for most when I, when I say that the majority of us only use a fraction of the capability of, you know, of a high-end uh, runner watch today. So I would like to hear your take, layman terms, please, on easy easy gains, easy wins to start getting more bang, bang for buck information and data-wise out of your watch? Okay, so people often say to me, look, how should it feel? How should it feel when I go for a run? So if you go out the front door and you're doing an easy run or you're, doing, you're in the early stages of running and you're just building general fitness or you're serious and this is an easier running day, how mm. should it feel? If you can't hold a conversation, it's too hard, but we can be even more precise with that. And we could say, look, this should be about six or seven out of 10. Or we might say, if we're going to be more scientific, it's 60 to 70% of your maximum heart rate, or maybe 60 to 70% of your VO2 max, if you've been tested or you're very technical. What this enables you to do is to start to make sure you really are training in the right zone and you're not training in the wrong zones, which then means you're training might become what we would call more junk training or perhaps less effective or less target oriented. So your easy runs need to be easy. And if you had your heart rate zones and you were working in, say, zone two or zone two to three, um, or you were working at 60 to 70 percent of your maximum heart rate, that's an easy run day. But if the training plan said today you should do some threshold running, 
um, three or four word answer pace in terms of perceived effort, eight out of 10 roughly, well, that's going to be probably about 80, 85% of your maximum heart rate. And you'll be training in a perhaps around zone four on the watch. And by knowing your zone and also understanding how it should feel and how you should feel, again, you've stopped this kind of junk training or, or missing the actual margin that you want. You've made the training more precise. You've allowed a bit of science to come in and say, right, I'm now training at the right effort on my harder days and the right effort on my easier days. Um, so that's just two examples. And people say, oh, you know, I, I go out for my long runs and I'm, I get really tired and I have to slow down. Well, maybe you were going too hard. So you weren't in zone two or three when you were doing the long run. Had you had the right breakfast and you weren't fueling. And this will start to tell you all of these areas about fueling along the way as well. So, you know, it will actually know when you're needing your next gel, when you're needing to, to have better nutrition. It, it will be able, the more you look at the data, to give you strategies yeah. within the run and help you to understand what your body's telling you and what you know. Okay. So and much there. So much there, absolutely. Um, and also, my watch seems to be quite opinionated about uh, how well <laughs> it feels I've slept. Talk me through, talk me through how that works in principle, uh, first of all, because sometimes I feel I've had a decent night's sleep, but my watch tells me, no, it wasn't good. And then suddenly I'm thinking, nah, I'm actually not feeling too good. So I, I, but before, before I, I kind of felt my sleep was okay. Um, well, I would say to you, if you feel your sleep's okay, then try and, work with that because that's what it is you can't change it once you've woken up it is what it is so so go with that but i would look at it and say okay i think i've slept well but the reality is i might not have and could i improve where could i improve it because it's telling me that compared to my average sleep rates i'm perhaps um not um uh, working through the phases of sleep as well as i should i'm not spending time um, in those phases of sleep in a way that my body is optimizing recovery. Um, a lot of people are far more dis disturbed in their sleep than they realize, or um, their sleep is much lighter than they realize. Um, it's not sometimes about spending hours and hours and hours in bed. It's about the, making the quality of the sleep you have that much better. Um, and these will even start to look at things like heart rate variability, which will give you an even greater um, understanding if you really want to look into it, into what the real recovery rates are potentially in it. It, mm -hmm. it will measure the heart in a way that helps us to understand, are you really recovering? So it's not just about your resting heart rate. It's, it's about other factors that exist there. Um, and that will tell us whether the body is still under stress or whether the body is actually fully recovered and ready to do the next harder day. So there's a, there's a top-end sport area and sports science area with this, but there's a general well-being area yeah. with it. And, and I think if you're seeing with your sleep data that your resting heart rate is over the weeks and months coming down a little bit, then your heart is getting stronger. If you're seeing that your sleep is consistent, um, and you're sleeping for good periods of time and going through the phases of sleep, and these trackers are starting to tell you that the sleep was good and you feel good, then you're probably getting a really good balance between hard training and recovery days. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important. Recovery is the biggest thing there. So you train and then, then you recover, and that's when you get fitter. And mm -hmm. we are looking more and more at how we recover these days because we know that we know most of the things we need to know about training. 
Yeah. That's not changed that much in the last 20 years, 30 years. There's, there's a few things, but it's not changed that much. What's changed is the way we now promote recovery and regenerate. Yeah. And that's, that's the key. So you might be able to run further. You might be able to run faster. You might be able to train harder more often if we improve your recovery. Right. Let's, uh, let's have another look at our, at our questions. We have, we have a specific question from Nana McCauley. Let's bring it in. See what you think about this one. So what does Nick recommend in terms of fuel during long runs versus threshold runs? In terms of glucose per hour. Wow. Okay. This could get technical. Let's, let's, um, let's be, uh, well, well, let's, let's look at it from the point of view, your long runs, um, are going to be hopefully run most of the time your long runs will be run at a very easy conversational effort. And if you're doing that, most of your energy will come from carbohydrate, but also an amount of stored fats that are in the bloodstream. And your body will, will use that together at the same time. I hope before your long runs, actually, that you do have something to eat. So I hope you've eaten well the day before. And then I hope before your long run, you're having a really good whole grain breakfast of some kind or something that's um, certainly full of good carbohydrates that um, is sustainable and, and going to work in a complex way. Um, I would hope then that if you maybe go an hour, hour and a half, two hours later for your run, you're perhaps, if it's a long run, taking a gel and it's a long, long run, you're taking a gel every, I don't know, 30, 45 minutes, maybe taking on some drink. If you're doing that, then we're not um, seeing a drop in the body's blood sugar levels okay and that's really important um and we're at the same time sustaining the fuel levels for the duration of the run so the second half of your run should feel as good as the first half although you might be getting tired muscularly you've got the energy to keep going and and that's really really important with your long runs threshold runs you're working in a higher zone you're going to be working at around about eight out of ten as i explained earlier or 80 85 percent perhaps your maximum heart rate when you work at that effort you're burning carbohydrates that carbohydrate sugars is is your energy source so it's very hard to run threshold and run and really get the best out of that training zone yeah. if you're not fueled beforehand so you'd want to eat before um and perhaps sip a sports drink or something up until you do it then go and do the session if it's a long threshold session you might even sip a bit or or take something during the session um yeah. even a gel but um essentially it's very hard to do a threshold type session fasted or optimize it do it in the right way just a, just a follow-up question. You might have dovetailed that sort of already, but uh, Nana's got a follow-up question. So, and can you tell from your watch heart rate whether you need to increase your glucose intake at a given time um, during a run? Yes. So something like the, um, the Polar Grit X, something like the Polar Vantage V2 um, has fuel-wise built into it, which will start to uh, tell you when it thinks you should be taking your next gel or your next sports drink when you need to top up your carbohydrate levels on the move. Um, so it's a new technology um, and it's uh, something that ultra runners in particular are starting to look at because if anything, I mean, you have a strategy, you've done it yourself, Jacob, when you're out, you, you know you ought to be taking things, but it's very easy to be distracted or not take something or not take it soon enough. And then the damage is done because the hole is being digging or being dug and, and you you feel very weak and tired, then you start to hit the wall. So so this will will look at um heart rate and we'll look at um ways that it will suggest then that you should be taking your next gel very soon or your next intake of carbohydrate needs to be because and it will work this out for you. So um yes you can use technology to back up your strategy um with that. 
uh, let's just stay on the subject. Let's bring uh, Gonzalo in here. Gonzalo uh, is a is a is a good contact of mine in in Singapore, and he's uh, um, he's uh, he's a triathlete. Uh, yeah. So I think he's just back from a session in the pool, and it's a nice evening in Singapore. So uh, what's your what's your commentary on his question here? Okay, so do you have a preference between keto, fat adapted, or carbo load? Um, I'm carbo, I'm afraid, uh, and I'm, I'm going to say it and, and there's people out there that would disagree with me um i understand in in the world of ultra running and going a long way or in the world of um real long distance triathlons so iron man and beyond even um you need to become better fat adapted i totally understand that and even in the world of marathon running where i i do a lot of work with lots of runners of all abilities and 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 some some pretty good marathon runners um yes being Better fat adapted is important, but we can get that from just doing some some easy pre-breakfast morning runs. We can get that from doing easy pre-breakfast, for instance, workouts. What I don't think you should be doing is going out and doing really hard, long runs, trying to do hard sessions when you're depleted or you are uh, very low on carbohydrate, because I think the hole it puts you in for the rest of the week in terms of energy and the potential damage to the system, whether it's the immune system, uh, injury risks, or how fatigue it leaves you for days, um, I think the risks with that far outweigh any potential benefits. So I think you can become better fat adapted by doing some easy pre-breakfast morning runs, but you would be much better to do your key sessions and your big training runs when you have really taken on good amounts of carbohydrate and eaten normally up until that session so that you're really well fueled and you get the most from that session. Um, I think it's where there's a bit of confusion, I feel, sometimes. Uh, the fat-adapted world and keto, it, it has a place, and for some people it works very well. But if you look at the world's top 100 marathon runners and so on, very few, if any, would be on a keto-type depleted, um, no carbohydrate diet. They all eat lots and lots of carbohydrate, but they do run early in the morning before breakfast and stimulate the body in a way that they have become better fat adapted with a lower intensity work. So then when they race hard or they train really hard and particularly in a marathon for a long time, their body will use carbohydrate and obviously it will use some stored fats because they've stimulated that system in training. But um, we know that you've got to get the carbohydrate in and carbohydrate is not the enemy of the distance runner. It's the friend. Yeah, no, clear. Okay. Nick, do you have any questions for me? I do. Why do you want to run sub three for your marathon? What, why, why this dream, first of all, when you've been running so happily romantically for years, so you're a romantic and suddenly you want to set yourself this goal? Um, I, I think, I think it's broadly born out of the, uh, the maybe, I mean, last year's race calendar was practically decimated with the exception of probably two races in the beginning of the year. This year, I think is a bit anyone's guess. I think there will be some races going ahead, many not. So I think it was, it was a, it was a, a desire to maybe ha have a little bit of a, a rethink, set a, a fresh aim, but also but also to challenge my own attitude to, am I just creating a narrative that I dislike running against a, an Excel spreadsheet? Is that just a narrative that I've created to, to stay on the safe side of running? Uh, I think it was, it, was a, it was a mixture of things that I sort of thought, well, don't knock it till you tried it. 
and uh, and that was what what brought me into in the conversations I had with Polar, which of course you know getting involved with Polar and then and then distancing myself from everything that Polar stands for just seemed just didn't didn't make sense either. And then I thought, well, let's 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 set ourselves a project here. So so uh, it it would be it would be nice to do. Uh, I know many ultra runners have 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 done it just to just to try it for once uh, and then maybe go back to what you're doing before, or maybe it opens up a, 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 another love for running to actually Im, Im, embrace more structure that I've never, I've never in my, you know, I've only run for five years, but I've never followed a structure. So it was, it was a curiosity more than anything. Do you believe you can do it? Uh, it hasn't got to be now, sometime in the future, but do you believe you can do it? Absolutely. And why? What, what is it that tells you that I can run a sub-free marathon? Where, where does that, and I don't think it's an arrogant thing. I think it's a, it's a really interesting thing. What, what is it that tells you you can do it? Because it it's, it's a tough thing. You've got to run at uh, close to seven-minute miles for 26 miles or, or 4.15 kilometers for 42 kilometers. It's, it's, a, it's a target. Yeah. I think the, uh, the, when I first kind of broke the marathon distance, in in the woods here in Hampshire somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. It just it just seemed to it seemed to shift things mentally in terms of what are these numbers? Uh and you have this big and sometimes I think you can have this this uh, this mental barrier of breaking these numbers and it may be that the the half marathon is a is a is your first barrier, your marathon is your is your second major barrier. And I certainly landed in a in a place when I'd when I'd broken that barrier where where largely everything else just ended up just being numbers and levels. They they so there wasn't any sort of magic to it. It wasn't anything that, that sort of that, that sort of mentally stood in the way of me achieving that. I I must say I've never run a hundred miles. Uh and that's a that's a barrier that I might try and address. But that comes also at a heavy cost uh, because I'd rather, I'd probably rather run shorter ultras and have more experiences than, than trying to tick off the hundred mile, uh, hundred mile race and and then and then having to deal with the the a different training regime to achieve that and a different recovery regime to to achieve that when I could probably fit in four ultra races over a summer or 100 miler, uh, then I'd rather have four experiences uh, rather than the one. But I'm not concerned about the numbers. So, so I think the, the, the assurance that I feel I can do that is sort of born out of, out of that realization that these are, these, are, these are just numbers. And I look around, uh, other people doing it, I'm thinking, are they fundamentally equipped better than me or uh, do they have a, a stronger mindset than me do they have a stronger dedication to the course than me and i don't feel that's the case and i and that was the first thing that brought me into uh committing to the marathon de sable and that was when i looked at it on paper thinking this shouldn't this shouldn't work and then curiosity got the better of me helped by youtube you sit and you look at, at some of the people doing it, and I'm, I'm left with the same sort of question, saying, are these individuals fundamentally different to me? Are they, are they, are they superhuman in, in one way, shape, or form? And, and the answer to that was, uh, no, 
uh, bar a few of them, of course, you know, some absolute superstars, but f far the majority of the people taking part were not. And I would, uh, and I feel the same about sub three. So it's a, it's a, it's clearly a different set of terms to go into that course than taking part in an ultra where effectively, if you don't feel like running, you walk. And as long as you don't get timed out, you're, you're still in the race. I mean, so sub three. Is there any part of it you fear then? Is there any part of training for a sub three or doing a sub three that you fear? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a hard question to ask someone. No, I don't, I don't think so. I, 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 I don't think so. But that's also because, I mean, I, I might feel different on the day. I'm, I'm sure that standing on the start line, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be, uh, there's going to be uh, uh, imposter syndrome uh, and all sorts of concerns. But ultimately, what I'm thinking now is that it's an experiment that I'm comfortable with, with also failing. It's not a one-off. It's not... There is no consequence apart from me having to deal with perhaps my own disappointment. But then I also want to understand why didn't we get there, Nick? Well, we know we, we, we followed a plan and that's not me um, <laughs> aiming anybody else for it, but I'm actually quite comfortable with it. And, and, and if, it, you know, if it doesn't happen in Copenhagen in May, it will happen if I if I want it to happen, it will happen at another race. Uh, but ultimately, you know, I I do subscribe to trust in the process, but I also very much subscribe to enjoy the process. And if and if and if the love leaves the room, then I will probably also say that's been a meaningful takeaway. And and I'll say, Nick, thank you very much for the collaboration. But I'm I think I'm I'm a romantic runner. I'm going to stick with that. Uh, but I think it, so. I don't have the fear. Because uh, either way, either I will make it and we can celebrate that or I won't make it and I will learn and we can celebrate that. Definitely. Brilliant. And, and listen, whatever happens when you're doing the harder sessions, when you're doing the longer runs with the marathon pace built in and all of these things will come, uh, smile. Smile yeah. and relax and enjoy it because, I mean, even, there's quite a lot of research on this. Even the world's greatest marathon runner, certainly male marathon runner, sorry, uh, Kip Choggy, uh, that, you know, people focus on. When he smiles, they've noticed his, his heart rate seems to drop a little bit and he runs better. And, and there's so much in this. So whatever we're doing on this, try to relax, enjoy, smile, and you're going to run well. But I, in all fairness, I, when I looked at your training, you're a romantic, happy miles man, and you go out for days, you go out for hours. It's lovely. But we're going to put some targets in there, work yep. on power, work on speed, work on all of these factors, and uh, get you tuned into and, that and free and, mode. And city marathons. I mean, I think you'd, you, it's, it's a tough place not to be, uh, um, be positive. They are very uplifting events. Uh, they are, you know, they are remarkably different to uh, the ultras that I run, which are where you where you spend ninety percent in solitude, and it's just you and and Mother Nature, and and you internalize things uh, for obvious reasons. It, it is just you out there, and and I, I think it's magical, and I think that's why I would I I'm I'm a big ambassador for the for the for the magic of the ultra trails, uh, for all those, for all those reasons. I mean, there are lots of merits in testing your own boundaries, but testing your own boundaries, uh, against a, a city marathon can be just as good. And you have the benefit of a, a whole lot of people that are cheering you on. So mm -hmm. in the 
fun and very very positive events. Uh, I on on balance, I I prefer trail, but I but I can see that you know taking part in the odd uh, carnival of a running event in a in a big city is exciting too. So. Yeah, I think having loads of or well, thousands of people around you um, will completely um, hopefully inspire you. For, it, for some people, it adds pressure because you start to run at other yeah. people's paces, or you, you you feel that you you've got to do it in a certain way. Whereas normally you you know you're really happy on the trails. Um, but there's nothing like the next kilometer marker, then the next kilometer marker, focusing on the kilometer you're in, getting that right, moving on to the next kilometer, focusing on that, getting it right, ticking them off, and being on this journey where it evolves and you have a fantastic day and and yeah. it's very measurable. Um, it's so different to the trails where you're going out and running and not seeing anyone for 90% of the time. And I think adapting to that little bit of pressure that will come and being in a foot race and having people around you is inspiring, but it is something you've got to get used to as well. Um, so that, that's going to be an interesting part of this journey. Absolutely. Nick, I'm, I'm conscious of time. Uh, we've, uh, we, we, we were going to put this in as a, as a, as a launch hour, uh, and, and that hour is, is pretty much up. Are any any final comments from from your good self before we before we call it a wrap? Uh, not really. I mean, I, I, other than I, I hope that um, I, I believe you can go sub three, and and I know we're going to chat about other parts of your journey over the year. Um, let's um, look at the the wonderful data you're going to get from your Polar device, and really sort of try to understand on the journey. It'd be lovely to talk more as we go forwards with all of this um, about the romance of ultra running sort of slightly changing now into the um the pressure of a sub three marathon it's a really interesting journey and i, I wish you well and i know you can do it thank you very much nick for uh, uh, for being generous with your time and, and your insight and i uh, i hope we can in a few months time get back on here and uh, and maybe maybe have chapter two of of this session that's it for this week this was the auto running and business podcast I hope to see you back next week for more randoms around running, people, performance, and business content. I'm Jakob, your host, and this was the Ultra Running and Business Podcast. For more information about everything that goes on here in this business, you may want to follow me on LinkedIn. For anything that goes on in my world on the trails and in ultra running, you may want to jump onto Instagram and follow the Danish Ultra Runner. Thank you again. Bye-bye.